Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, the largest dealership in Northern Colorado for the past 50 years. Winter is coming. They've got a variety of great all-wheel drive vehicles available to get you around through the snow and the slush, like the Camry, the Highlander, the RAV4, and the 4Runner. Stop on in to check out their large inventory and great prices, and their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. If you're in the market for any new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa, joined by Mike Camps Terizo Rowe, Steve Swolcracker Ivy, author of Crackers College Hoops blog. We're going to chat a tiny bit about football and men's basketball, but then we're going to bring in uh, the, the A-team. We're bringing in women's hoops coach Ryan Williams. He's one of the best people we have on campus. Great coach, a winning coach, great guy as well. It'll be a great conversation. He'll come in for the second half of our show, but uh, guys, let's jump right in. Let's start briefly with football. I mean, they're getting less and less real estate on this program, <laughs> and then we'll talk a little bit about the Paradise Jam coming up for men's basketball this weekend. But uh, since our last show, boys, uh, the Rams dropped yet another game, another rivalry game, Air Force. It's a fourth straight loss after we even the record earlier in October to three and three. Uh, so now we're three and seven. That means no bowl game. Owen two record with uh, against rivals and several disappointing losses. And there are just kind of killed momentum, killed the fan base. I know where you guys both stand on firing Adazio. We talked about it last week on this show. And I, and I believe both of you, you know, you both feel it's the right move to, to move on from coach Adazio, despite, you know, he's basically been here less than two seasons game wise. Um, but is there any scenario over the next two games that would change your mind? You know, if they win at Hawaii and come back and beat a pretty darn good Nevada team at home would would that give you any more or less hope going into 2022 or a reason to say, Hey, he deserves another shot. Or are you basically just off of, off of this coach? You know, I, I, I said it last year, last week, if we, if we end up the season five and seven, I think you roll the dice and bring him back next year. I don't think it's the right move, but I, I also don't think it's something that would warrant firing. If we lose out, he's got to be gone. There's just no way you can bring him back. I said it last week, and, and I don't want to say the players have quit because they haven't, they're busting their asses. But you just, you look at the, the whole scheme when you're facing an option team is, is staying in your lanes, following your assignments. And, you know, we just didn't do that last week. We, we, we didn't. And shit, how many times did Roberts just run up the middle for five, six, eight, nine yards? when everybody in the stadium knew that was coming, our special teams are still, you know, we give up that 92 yard touchdown and then they missed the, the PAT, which gave us momentum. What happened Offside, you know, offsides on us. They get another chance, put it in, put it through and they're back up two touchdowns, you know, uh, back up 14. And again, like look back to that 96 team. They missed that 96 game. They missed one PAT they're up 41-14. We won 42-41. As a, that could have been a big point, and our special teams didn't do it. Yeah. Everybody in the stadium knew as soon as the, the player went in motion, that was going to be a direct snap right to them. They're in perfect position to fake it. 
They do. They get an easy first down. They ate up like almost nine minutes a clock in the third quarter to start the half, to start the second half. And that's on coaching. And again, if, if, if we win the next two games, we see some changes as far as, you know, what we're seeing on defense, especially what we're seeing on special teams. I think you bring him back, but you know, there's too many teams out there that you see that are just dumpster fires and they get the right hire and they immediately turn around. Mm-hmm. Eve, would you feel any better five and seven? Or are you done? Yeah, I, I feel better. I mean, I'm pretty much where, uh, where Mike is. Um, I mean, I hate to sound negative because I haven't played the games yet. I just don't think they're going to win the last two games. I just yeah. don't see it right now. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Air Force game, I think, was a, a, a pretty strong tell with where they're at right now. And, again, I don't think we're you – know, I would never accuse it, uh, players of quitting. Um, it's too damn hard a sport. If they're quitting, they're not going to be even on the field. Um, they, they play hard. They try. But I, I think you saw right away, you can't go down 14 nothing to Air Force. If you're not ready to play right out of the shoot, that game is over. You can just – you might as well just walk away from it. You know, you can go back to that 96 game, Mikey, where we came from 41-14 down <laughs> to win that's a one in a million. That's a, that's a one off. That's not a, that was an incredible performance by a really, really good football team. Uh, we're not at that level right now. And I, it wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to come back. Um, we'll see how they do in Hawaii. Um, I've watched enough in Nevada that if they decide to come here and play, um, I don't see any way we're going to stop them. Um, they throw the ball too well. They're really good. I mean, they, they basically had San Diego State on the ropes in a big game uh, last weekend and couldn't convert a fourth and two or a third and two and a fourth and two at midfield. If they do that, they probably move into field goal range and win the game. So, I mean, they're really good. Um, right. So, I just I, – I just, I, so, yeah, I, if they go five and seven, they win the last two games, that's saying something. But I, I don't see it happening. That's yeah. just where I'm at. Well, Mike, you mentioned it. I mean, there's been a couple dumpster fire programs out there that they get the right hire. And I mean, you don't have to look any further than than Utah State. You know, that 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 program quit last year. They refused to come play at Canvas, play the Rams at Canvas. Uh, That that team was in turmoil. And Blake Anderson comes in from Arkansas State and immediately turns them around. They're eight and two. They're likely headed to the mountain uh, there's the, they're going to win the mountain side of the Mount West and play in the conference championship game. And that, that's in, you know, he's turned that around in less than a year, you know? So, you know, we, we talk about how in, 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 in Joe Parker has talked about continuity is important. Um, and yes, it is, but is it a little overrated maybe, you know, when you see something like that and, and a, and a coach that can, can turn the tides, the right coach can turn the tides and, and, you know, I do think Adazio has done some good things, but not enough. And there's too many red flags that have happened. I've been on the side of the fence that maybe he does deserve another year. I would like to see if that happens. You know, you, de- you delegate all responsibilities on special teams to someone else, whether that's a new coach or uh, an existing coach, you know, so he does not have to oversee that during a game. Hand, get your hands off the, the play calling, you know, let, let the offensive coordinator have free reign and, and creativity there because this this stubbornness of running the football at all you know every down is really frustrating but um and i agree with both you guys that i've seen this on social media and i've seen it on ram nation i do not think the team has quit you know despite what people have said i don't see that at all we might not be very good but i i think the players have have played hard uh i think they've bought in 
You know, I think that you hear multiple players every week talking about buying in and laying the foundation for the future. And they're all disappointed. It didn't happen this year. You guys got seniors like Toby and Trey McBride, you know, who are super frustrated and disappointed. But, uh, you know, they said on the post game, Toby on the post game on Saturday night said that media and fans basically don't understand how bad the culture in the locker room was prior to Adazio getting here and that there's a lot of work to fix the situation. And unfortunately it's taking longer than we'd hoped. So, you know, I'm trying to look at that and say, okay, then, you know, he's, he's trying to break all that garbage that we, that we've seen and we knew about, and hopefully, you know, maybe it's just taking a little bit longer to, to, to get it going, but you know, it, it's unfortunate. I'm just going to say this. UCF was 0-12 in 2015. 2017, they were 12-0. and In two years, they yeah. made – you can't tell me that there would have been a worse culture than what UCF had under George O'Leary. Yeah. And then Scott Frost comes in, 500, and then 12-0. and If we were 500, if we were, if we were even looking at going to a bowl this year, mm-hmm. I, would, I would have a completely different opinion. We're not. And now they're in the Big 12. And now they're Five years 12. later, they're in the Big 12. Oh, man. Yeah. And I, I saw something in the news. It was some column about uh, talking about teams. I can't, gosh, I can't even remember what the premise was, but it basically was talking about up and coming big time, you know, G5 schools. And the schools listed in there were like Coastal Carolina and UTSA. And I'm like, oh, my God, these schools have had like one or two years of decent football in their lives. And now all of a sudden they're like the, the, the next prospective conference realignment teams. You know, it's just ridiculous that we have missed this window, but I don't want to talk anymore about it. It's already making me mad. Um, (laughs) Men's basketball, men's basketball travels to the U S Virgin islands this week. They open uh, the paradise jam against Bradley on Friday afternoon. I think that's a 1 PM mountain tip off on ESPN three streamed. Um, Steve, you're the hoops guru. What can you tell us about Bradley? I know they were picked sixth in the preseason uh, Missouri Valley Conference poll. They're so far this year one and two and and not haven't looked great. 15-point loss on the road to South Dakota State, 12-point home loss to Howard. Yikes. I watched I watched the Howard game. Um, and they did not look good. But let, let me take a step back. Howard is actually a very, very improved basketball team. You know, a traditional uh, 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 historic, you know, black college um, and uh, obviously never fully funded, but they've got a really good uh, young coach, Kenny Blakeney, who played at Duke. Um, and he's done a wonderful job bringing in some good players. And uh, they actually looked really, really good. That game wasn't that close. It was actually more like a 20-point game that uh, that Bradley cut 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 uh, a lot closer. But Howard is now, I think, the leading uh, through the first three games. They're the leading three-point shooting team in the country. So they can really shoot it. They're good. Um, so that being said, uh, Bradley did not look uh, did not look good at all. They looked they looked lost. And um, you never know; things change a lot early in the preseason. We've seen it with uh, Mountain West teams that can play like crap. Utah State played like crap in their first game, losing a a home game to uh, who was it? University? Who they? I can't even remember who they lost to. You um, see Davis. You see Davis. And then they go on the road and they beat a really good Richmond team uh, in, in, a, in a neutral back in uh, Annapolis. And, and Richmond is very good. And I, you can see things happen with teams this time of year where 
Um, they go up, they go down, they click, and ultimately it's going to come down to uh, the Rams going on the road and, and playing well in a different gym um, and being ready to play. I think that if you look at the quality of the field at the, at the Paradise Jam, there isn't a team that's uh, better than CSU. Uh, there are a, a few teams that are every bit as good as CSU, and one of them is Creighton and one of them is CU, and I think we're we could get both of them, and that'll be fun. If we play well, we win. If we don't play well, we lose. Don't play well against Bradley, and they play out of their minds. We could lose that game. But uh, you know, I, mean, I have confidence in this team. I think they'll uh, the way they, they the way they've opened the season. They uh, they played pretty well, and I think they'll be ready to play. Right. Well, as you mentioned, uh, if the Rams win the opener, they would play the winner of three and zero Creighton against two and one Brown Creighton. Uh, they we had a common opponent. Opponent uh, they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff by thirteen. We beat them by twenty. So hey, there's our advantage. Uh, they won by eight at Nebraska last night. I'm not sure if this is the same caliber that they've been in recent years. I know they were tabbed eighth of eleventh in the uh, of eleven teams in the Big East preseason coaches and media poll. Uh, I'll let you tell us more if, if you think that they have dropped a notch. But uh, I know I saw Brown led by three at half at North Carolina last week before they lost at 94-87. I think they're a relatively tough squad. I mean, who who do you think wins that game, Steve? And, uh, and you know, is there a, a team that we'd like to play between those two? I, you know, I, I think you just play who you play who's right in front of you. Um, I watched the Creighton game last night. I've been, I got a lot of time to kill. I've been watching a lot of games and I've been watching, you know, trying to watch some of uh, CSU's future opponents. Creighton is very, very, very young. They start a bunch of freshmen um, and they're good players. Um, they're, their freshman point guard played really good against Nebraska last night, only his third game. Um, yeah. They did struggle out of the shoot against, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff, but I'll tell you what, they look pretty good against, they had, they, they were up 20 on uh, Nebraska yesterday in the first half. Um, and Nebraska isn't horrible. Um, so I, I, to be honest with you, we, we want Creighton um, for, um, uh, for our resume. Um, I don't think Brown will end up, Brown could be a good team and a good matchup and they could beat us, but they're not going to end up with the quality of the resume that Creighton will. Uh, Creighton will end up as a, top 100 team, maybe even a top 50 team, and you get a win over a team like that on a neutral site, you're looking about, you're looking at a, uh, at a, at a tier, you know, a tier one win. And, and that's going to be very, very important to CSU. So we definitely want to, we definitely want to, I want to play Creighton. And then um, on the other side of the bracket, um, I see you looks, uh, looks to be the class on the other side of the bracket. Some of those other teams are really struggling and, CU, they play in a big conference. They can be a 500 team in a big conference. They're going to be top 50. That's just the way it works nowadays. So yeah. we're going to want CU. We're going to want another top 50 game. And, uh, and, and, and if you win it, your resume looks fantastic. And if you lose, you don't really get hurt. Um, but that, so that's, I mean, that's how we want it to go. But yeah, I think, I think Creighton will, I think Creighton will be a better team than Brown. And I think they, if you look at the Pomeroy ratings, um, I think they're, they moved up with their win yesterday. They moved up. They're right behind us in that in the Pomeroy ratings right now. So they're they're good. I sure hope the basketball gods bring a Rams versus Buffs matchup in this tournament. Wouldn't that be a great uh, title game with Tad purposefully omitting us from the schedule this year? Nico talked about it a few weeks ago and was very diplomatic about it and explained the reasons why. And you understand it, but it's disappointing. See, you would face Southern Illinois to start uh, in their opener. 
if they win that, they would play the winner of Northeastern versus Duquesne. Southern Illinois was picked fifth out of 10th in the Missouri Valley preseason poll. Northeastern is picked second out of 10 in the Colonial. And Duquesne is picked 11 out of 14. So they seem to have a little bit of a, a, a easier stretch to get to that title game, but we'll, we'll see. If, uh, so Steve, if you had to, if you had to, to give us a betting line, CSU versus Creighton, what do you think that would be? And how about the same thing with CU? I, uh, if I had to go betting line, I think we'll be no more than a one point favorite against Creighton, maybe a pick them. Uh, CU, I think we'll end up being underdogs. Uh, a lot of that is driven off of historicals from, uh, from last year. If you look, they use a, a lot of times they'll use Sagarin and Pomeroy to set the point spreads and, uh, CU right now, I think, would be about a two-point favorite over us if we played them. But, you know, who knows? I, yeah. uh, I think they're all pretty much pick them games uh, if you get Creighton and, uh, and CU, and it's going to kind of come down to who, who plays the best. And uh, I got my fingers crossed that our team's going to come out ready to play. I think they will be. Um, yeah. Hey, do you have a uh, – I know every – for those unfamiliar in your, uh, your blog, you, you do a front-range league – uh, every year, do you have a, a preseason poll on, for the, the local team? <laughs> you know, the, the, it's, it, it's, you know, it's a shame. Um, they don't play each other like they used to, um, yeah. used to, you know, CU used to at least play, uh, you'd see them play UNC, they'd play us or they'd play Air Force, um, or they'd play Wyoming. They dropped Wyoming because they don't want to go up to Laramie. Tad Boyle didn't want to go up to Laramie anymore. Um, and so, you know, it really comes down to the only games that are really being played. Um, we get UNC. Um, DU goes, I think, to Wyoming. Um, I don't think they even play Air Force this year. And it really comes down to CSU, Wyoming, and Air Force playing each other. It's, we used to get seven front-range league games. Now we get four, maybe five, and four of them are in conference. Um, and so it's different. So I'm not, I'm not all that fired up about it. I might talk about it. And, you know, obviously the uh, – CSU and CU are the class, but I'll tell you what, I watched UNC play uh, in, uh, in Hawaii and they had two nice, two nice wins in Hawaii, one over Pacific, uh, a mid, middle of the pack WCC team, and then they beat home team Hawaii. Um, and they are a lot better than people think. And, you know, they've been categorized as a dark horse in the big sky. That's true. They're, they have, a, a, they could be as good as anybody in the big sky right now, which is a good little conference. Um, yeah, UNC looks good. We get them at home, I think, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, so that'll be a fun game. That'll be technically a front range. And, and how that game goes, maybe I'll, maybe I'll kick a, I'll kickstart the front range league just in time for that. Um, I actually thought that I might write a pre, not a preview for the game, but, you know, the, uh, to my mind, um, you, you are aware that Dorian Green is an assistant coach at UNC, I think. Um, and to my mind, he's the, the best player we've had over the last uh, 10 or 15 years uh, following Jason Smith. I don't think anybody can touch what Dorian contributed. And if you go back to what Dorian did in the, in the quote, front range league, Dorian was 23 and five in his career against, we played seven games a year against all the teams in the front range, all the schools in the front range. Dorian was 23 and five and, and no one, no one's had a record like that. Um, just a phenomenal performance. He was always up for the local games and he always played really well. And I might do something up. I might even try and grab him, uh, 
grab him after the game and see if I can get a picture of him and Isaiah Stevens together because I, you know, that's the past and that's the present right now. Those two kids are, uh, they were wonderful players and very influential players. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with the front range stuff. I'm hoping the Rams end up on top and get the cheese ball with the Salma on top. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I do, even though I don't post on Ram Nation, I did see some uh, criticism of one of my uh, blog posts that said, what a fantastic A plus, but missing missing pictures of Salma Hayek. <laughs> so um, those are always good. We we just might see an appearance one of these days. <laughs> you gotta keep. So she out. was on. She was on the last episode of Hot Ones, the uh, wing eating uh, interview show on YouTube. So if if you have some time, Steve, and you want to <laughs> see her eating hot wings. <laughs> so you know she's 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 got a, a pretty big role in uh in uh, uh lady gaga's new movie house of gucci um and there's a it, very interesting she I, i'm not sure the character she plays but there's a photo of her in a a, a very gilded gold gown um, but evidently she put on a lot of weight for the uh for the role and she's having trouble losing weight so I've been thinking of her maybe sending her a little a message saying I can I can help you lose your weight. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, I can only imagine what it's like upstairs these days. Then you know the. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Uh, predictions for the tournament. Got a shot to win the win the thing. Feel I think we have a shot. Our history is always uh, uh, seriously. We have. I don't think we've won in one of these tournaments since Tim Miles' first year when they went up to Fairbanks, Alaska, with that horrible team, and they won a tournament. Mm. The number of times we've lost final games to not teams that we should have beat. Um, we lost to Buffalo one year in Hawaii. I'm trying to remember the other one we lost to. Oh, Iowa State when Larry, when Dale was here. Um, we have this wonderful history of playing really good the first two games and then losing the final. I'm going to predict us to win, but um, part of me says second place. Yeah, I, I like our chances. You know, I like I like what Nico's doing. You know, I, I was there Friday night. You know, we're solid. I mean, we we run one through ten, and and I think this is a good stretch where we can shorten that bench. You know, and and we can see what. What we'll, what we'll be watching during Mountain West play. The one nice thing that'll happen, you know, I talked a little bit uh, with the coaches after the game on uh, on Sunday against Peru State. Um, the first three games were very different than what we're going to see for most of the rest of the year. We saw a lot of small ball. And um, one of the strengths of this team that really didn't get a chance – to show as much as they uh, they have is that the combination of Deshaun Thomas and James Moore is much improved. And James is getting all of like eight minutes because we're playing small ball and matching up against small ball lineups. When you go against teams like Bradley, um, teams like Creighton, Creighton has a seven footer in the middle. CU has big players in the middle. They play big. They don't play small ball. And so we're going to see, we're, we'll start seeing a lot more of uh of Deshaun and, uh, and James. And I think that's exciting um, because they really are improved and uh, they add a lot to the physicality of the team. And uh, I think, you know, when you talk about shortening the bench, I don't think we'll necessarily shorten the bench. Kendall will come back. I think we'll still play 10. 
you just may see a few, you know, uh, some fewer minutes at a at a at a Chandler, at a Jalen Lake, whatever. Um, but that being said, you'll see a stronger a stronger team, I think, emerge start emerging over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Well, it's going to be fun. It'll be a good measuring stick. We'll see where where CSU stacks up early in the season, and uh, that'll be a great few days of basketball watching uh, on ESPN three and ESPN plus. Mike, you get your wish there. I know you're know it. Own it. All right, uh, we're going to bring in Ryan Williams here in just a second. Just a reminder to get yourself to Mighty River Brewing Company. 15 beers on tap, including the Autumn River Pumpkin Ale. It's a great fall beer. $5 beers on Mondays and Tuesdays. Brewery bingo. Great prizes that include free beer, coupons, gift cards. Plus food trucks regularly throughout the week. Live music. Stop in and say hi to Dan Miller. He's a great fan. Great Ram Nation guy. And a great CSU supporter. Don't forget to show Ram Nation on your phone to get $1 off your beers. Support these guys. Great beers. Great business. All right. Ryan Williams is in his 10th season, the longest tenure in women's basketball in the, at least the last 50 years. I didn't look back further than that, Ryan. You can maybe give us some light on that. You've been here for basically ever. Uh, he's put one of the most successful stretches in program history, including a program best 171 wins. He's one of only three coaches in program history to win 100 or more at CSU. His 100 conference wins are by far the most in program history. He has a four-year run of conference titles from 2013 to 2017 and has five postseason appearances after a pair of down seasons in 2018-2019. Led the team to a third-place finish in the strange COVID year last season, and uh, he's looking to lead the team back to a championship this year. No pressure, coach. Uh, team is 3-0 to start the season, looking good early, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to it's good to be with you guys. And I don't like how they say third place finish. I, I thought we played in the championship game against New Mexico, uh, to, to be honest with you. But um, we had the third seed going in the Mountain West tournament. But um, right, yeah, I thought our, our kids performed really well during that COVID season. You you did, and uh, I know Steve wants to ask you a couple things related to that that stretch. And we you, bet. you said you didn't want to get into any hot water in, in an interview like this, but I know we were all kind of perturbed with, with how things were dealt with, with the, with the league and the scheduling down the stretch. So uh, we'll get back to that in a second, but uh, man, that, that game against Oral Roberts, 11 block shots. I mean, what the heck was in the uh, preseason practice regimen with all that physicality you guys had? Yeah, that was a, just a really good defensive performance by, by the ladies. Um, you know, Oral Roberts, they, they put some pressure on you uh, defensively. They, they had some, some kids with really good skill sets. Their spacing, I thought, was really good. And their, their abilities were, were such you couldn't help off a lot of kids. So you were kind of on an island a lot. And so our individual defense in that game was, was the key to the victory. And, you know, Sydney Meck with eight block shots. I think Callie Clark had a couple. And um, we just did a good job of, of keeping the ball in front against a really athletic aggressive physical driving team and uh you know that's just that's the name of the game you know kids are so good anymore at all five positions you your individual defense how you can keep the ball in front is you know probably a direct result are you going to win or lose that game so hey ryan uh, just to just kind of get a little maybe a little lighter take a step back um we lost a uh, we had a close friend and golfing partner move back to South Dakota, Chad Lavin, who's a longtime associate of yours, kind of, kind of officially, finally retired uh, 
how are you doing without him? Uh, not just with uh, not having him uh, around to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, that that's a good question. You know, first of all, you know, we just miss him as a friend to, uh, around around our program. And, you know, then second of all, you, you, you know, if there's a basketball savant out there, it's Chad Lavin. And we were fortunate enough to have him in our program for, for nine seasons and a large part of our success. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to say it was, he had a huge, huge part in him, a part of it. And so, uh, we do miss him and Hey, he's not out of it. Believe me. Yeah. He still knows how to work that cell phone. And, and we, we call him occasionally and, and throw some ideas off him. Um, he, he might be doing it with a Bud Light in hand, but uh, we're, we're still getting the, the good advice. But I want to I want to tell you a funny story, if I can. You mentioned about, you know, the, the the longevity here. It was my first game. We were playing Montana State and we we just had a team that was just it was just a, a not very good good team you know it was uh we had great kids they worked hard but our very first game i'm pacing back and forth in the locker room chad's just sitting in the corner and i said geez lav i think we can get this first one i just think we can get it and he looks at me and he goes ryan two things number one you're not gonna win tonight they're too good and number two nine out of the last ten coaches here have been fired he said do you know how difficult the job we have in front of us and to be able to, to, you know, survive nine years uh, and go on this journey with, with Coach Lavin was absolutely remarkable. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. You know, Pat Summit always used to say she wants somebody on her staff that, you know, knows more basketball than, than her. And Chad Lavin knows more basketball than probably all of us uh, on this call combined and he's probably forgotten more basketball than you will ever know Ivy, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, we miss him long. Yeah. Long answer, but, uh, I'm, we're so happy he's retired, you know, he's enjoying retirement and hitting that golf ball around. So, but, uh, he's only a phone call away. So I was going to ask specific. I know last year, there were a couple of times we were texting back and forth during games. I think that the, the, when you guys opened at Fresno, um, I think he said he fired you a, a text message or called you at halftime to give you some input. Is he doing that this year? Is he watching games online and giving you any input this year during actual games? No, no, no input during games. Um, you know, we always, we would always have a, a coach on text duty uh, at halftime last year, but uh, no, not this year. We're flying solo and, and we feel we'll do just fine. Um you know, Coach Amber's on our staff who, who played for Chad and, and myself. So, um, but he still checks in. He still watches occasionally. He knows how to watch those archive games, um, but he's doing well. Hey, so switching gears a little bit, you know, we, we, we kind of alluded to it a little earlier. You know, you spent basically last year, the COVID season, really tricky, but most of the season, your team was on top, first place. Um, unfortunate scheduling that had you play a ton of games, five games in nine days, sent the team into a little bit of a tailspin. Um, I'm not going to rehash that. There's no reason to rehash what, uh, what that did to the program, but did you use that at all as motivation to launch uh, this season over the summer with workouts? And as you got into practice, uh, 
uh, to, to help uh, and maybe have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder for the team? Yeah, it's, it's something that we, we have not, you know, stayed away from. We talk about it, just how, you know, you're 15 and two going into the last week end of the season. And you're right, went into a, a little tailspin, you know, 10 out of 11 days on the, the road. But, you know, the, the message to the group, Ivy, is, is um, you know, adversity comes in a lot of different ways. Maybe it comes in the strength of your schedule. Maybe it comes in, you know, the, the travel. Maybe it comes in an, with an injury or what have you. It just doesn't matter. You know, sports, you're going to face adversity. And whoever puts, you, puts it on you, it doesn't matter. You have to go handle it. And we didn't handle it good enough last year. Bottom line, we need to own it. Um, you know, we felt we had a championship team. Uh, we didn't get it done. And so now we've, we've got to work even harder. And yeah, keep that chip on the shoulder longer. But um, it's just, it's, it's a message that we, we occasionally uh, address with, with our team. Um, because that's, that's how you grow, right? You, 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 you know, there's all kinds of challenges and that was a challenge and we, you know, can we grow from it? Absolutely. And, and hopefully you see us reap a, a little bit of the benefits of that with, with this season. So coach, after dominating the mountain West from 2014 to 2018, five straight postseason appearances, five straight mountain West uh, regular season championships, 19 and 20, we did not hit those lofty standards you have set for our program. Obviously, it's difficult to replace Olympic caliber players that graduated like we did. But last year, we saw uh, we saw a 15 and six, and we we started to see that climb back to where it is. So, who are the additions to the roster to get us back to those heights? CSU fans have become accustomed to. Yeah, I, I think um, you know the the obvious. Uh, she was the newcomer of the year in the league last year, McKenna Hofshield. She kind of uh, quarterbacks our team, our little point guard that has got a great engine. Um, you know, I think she's somebody that you can you can look to to have some responsibility. I think you know a player like Carly Murphy is somebody that is even last year. You know, we we leaned on and showed that she can be a a, a force. I think Kendall Kenzer is a neat addition, Joel. That uh, she's the transfer from Fresno State kind of a stretch for, but just plays with a great poise. Um, she's just hard to, hard to speed up. Um, and then Upe, Upe Tasu is somebody, the transfer from Butler that is, has shown to be pretty dynamic. Um, she, she progresses each game. I thought against Oral Roberts, she was spectacular uh, with her, her driving. She had some great finishes, but she also knows how to make the right play at the end of her, you know, her, her attacks. She shoots the ball probably better than she gets credit for. So, you know, Callie Clark is somebody that is only going to keep getting better. She's kind of, you know, she had a little injury issue in the, our preseason practices, but, you know, she pulled down nine boards the other night and um, you know, she's, she's somebody that can have a, a great impact on what we get done this year. Um, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, um, but you know, you talk about Petra Farkas and Bengi out, Bengi Sue Alper, they've been with us here a couple of years and uh, they're great off the bench. Um, and I think we, that maybe a kid that we think could be our best player in time is Sydney Meck from Cherry Creek. I mean, Sydney is a really good basketball player. You know, she's six, three, she can guard 
really all five spots on the floor, which has been a big part of our success, having that versatility on the defensive end. She's arguably one of our better shooters as well. And I think as she grows into to her added responsibility, I think she's going to be somebody that could have a really good conference season and um, make us a, a tough team to beat. Well, pretty much everything that comes out of Cherry Creek is is good, Ryan. Except for that Joel Cameron Mason guy. That's 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 the one, the one black hey, how, guy. How, on, how did on you Cherry get Creek. out of there? My lord. Jeez. So here's here's some really can good he Cherry, spell Cherry Creek. Creek. I just want to know. Cherry Creek, Cherry Creek trivia from my side. You probably aren't aware of my link. Um, my next door neighbor on Long Island was my high school principal. He left our school district to become the first principal of Cherry Creek High School. Hmm. So. We all have links to Cherry Creek. Um, hey, Ryan, um, you, we're talking about your lineup. You've used the transfer portal very effectively in uh, rebuilding the team. Um, basically, your starting lineup is is transfers right now. Um, what are the challenges for you? Um, how do you identify players that uh, that you think are a good fit into into what you're trying to do with your program at CSU? Yeah, you know, the, the portal is just a whole whole new market, right? But I think it's a market that every coach in America is, you're going to have to play, whether you play it a lot or occasionally to, to fill some spots. Um, you know, it's just, it's just the nature of our game right now, fortunate or unfortunate. Um, you know, what we kind of look for is, you know, what's the need physically? You know, what does this player have as far as does she shoot it? Does she, can she drive it? Um, you know, what are we exactly looking for? So just their skill set is, is one thing. Um, but, you know, there's a reason they're transferring. You know, there's a reason they're transferring. And I think for kids to, to go to a place where there's a really good fit, I think you got to get to the bottom of that and, and make sure that they're not bringing a, you know, a, a lot of baggage or, or what have you. But, um, you know, We've, we've been pretty fortunate to get some really good transfers that have also been very, very good, uh, just high character, good student athletes. Um, but you got to do your research, right? You got to go back to their high school days or their club days. And, you know, you've got to re-research their, their character. And um, our coaches do a, a tremendous job of that. Um, you know, the, the portal can help you, but it could also hurt you if you – you know, get a couple of kids that, that go sideways. And um, that's just the, the nature of that beast. So, um, but it's just something that we'll, we'll continue to, I think every coach has their eye on it uh, a little bit throughout the, the year, but um, yeah, the old portal. Hey, so, so when you, when you talk about that, um, are there any unique challenges when you have kids coming from different programs with different philosophies uh is it is it is it trickier to build the proper amount of chemistry rather than dealing with high school recruits who haven't had any exposure to uh to any college programs yeah i, I don't know i don't know if the if if you the challenges with the chemistry part i think the the biggest thing they understand the importance of chemistry and the the importance of probably adapting to the newness and a, a different philosophy. And, you know, the, the thing that the, the transfers bring with them, it's not so much the, the bells and whistles that they care about anymore. It's just the nuts and bolts. It's the relationship with the players. It's the relationship between the player and the coach. 
And so I feel they've worked, they've worked extra hard to make sure that that chemistry piece with the team, with the coach is, is spot on. Um, we found that to be the case with, with all of our kids. Um, yeah, some of the, you know, some of the philosophical things, you know, that maybe defensively or offensively, you know, yeah. And you see that with us, you know, Upe was, she was allowed to play a certain way at, at Butler. We're asking her to do this defensively for us. And each game she has progressed in her, you know, the responsibilities that we have given her. Um, she has gotten more things right each game. And so that's, that's growth. And it's not easy. It's not easy for, for them to, to come into a new program, but if they've got the right attitude, which our kids do, um, I think that's what these early games are about, you know, just getting everybody on the same page, understanding what really goes into winning and losing a basketball game for Colorado state university, um, you know, with, with just our system. And I feel uh, that's what I liked most about the Oral Roberts win was our, our kids really bought into just winning their assignment and the mistakes that, that we made the previous game, say against Northern Colorado, we eliminated those. So the, the kids, their focus and their concentration and, and their just their want to get it right, uh, do their job right, continues to grow and, you keep growing that you're, you're probably going to develop a pretty good basketball team in time. You really just touched on this quite a bit. My, what I wanted to ask you, I mean, we, we had last season, I guess it was in January. We had McKenna Hofshield on our, on our show and, you know, you could tell she's every bit as great of a person off the court as she is a player on the court. And you, you really just told us that, you know, one of the things you need to do is vet the, the background, the, the character aspect of each recruit I'm curious though, like you just see that you see this all across sports and, and you just saw it with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. going to the LA Rams. Do you ever come across in your coaching career where you, you find a, someone who's a character has got maybe a five out of a 10 on the character scale, but eight out of 10 on the, on the player scale, how do you gauge if it's worth it? I mean, you, is it just like, as you have a, you have a set, nope, I need this certain type of character in my program and no, no amount of ability is, is worth it. Or, or have you not even run into that much in your recruiting mm -hmm. career? Probably haven't run into that, that a lot, but it just depends on how good that player is. Right. <laughs> I mean, if they're really good, I think any coach is going to maybe, you know, maybe take a little risk, but um, I, I think anytime you guys, you sit down with an athlete and, um, you know, we've done that. Let's be honest. We've done that with some kids in the, the past and you, you try to develop a really good relationship to where you can get a, a really good feel, you know, what this young lady's going to be like, what this young lady's going to be like when you challenge them on the court, you know, or when, when they face adversity, you know, how are they going to respond, but you don't always get it right. You know, it's just not an exact science, this, this recruiting. So, you know, there, there are going to be some swing and misses. That's just how it is. But uh, I think more than ever, though, um, you know, whether you're dealing with a, a, a transfer player or a, a, a high school recruit, um, you know, just really vetting um, the not just the player, but the family, you know, as far as you want kids that are going to be really loyal because it's too easy to transfer right now. The, the, it's they don't like something they can leave. I mean, 
I don't think that's a good way to operate. I mean, and let's face it, when you go to college and you play division one sport, you are going to face adversity, right? It's going to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. School is going to be hard. You know, the social aspect can be hard. Practices are going to be hard. And if you are a young lady that, you know, maybe you can see signs, maybe there are two or three different high schools or a couple, two or three different club programs, then that should raise some antennas, you know, about, wow, maybe this, maybe at the first sign of adversity, they're, they're out of here. You know, you've got to really vet. Um, and and we're, we're really trying to do better there, um, you know, recruits and families, because let's, let's face it. I mean, not everybody gets to play. And in women's basketball, we have 15 scholarships. I don't, you know, a lot of people don't know that. We, we carry 15 and really we have to carry 15. So, you know, you can balance out the, 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 the male sports, right? That's, that's title nine. And so, but yet you want to win games. And so you're going, you know, there's eight, nine person rotation. You got, you got some good players that want to play that just, you know, for whatever reason, they just can't get in the rotation. They're just, they can't beat out whoever. Um, and that's a tough one, you know, so they want to play, right? Four years goes by fast. And, and that's why you see uh, a, a lot of transfers, I feel, on the women's side, because our rosters are made to be bigger. It's hard to keep a lot of those kids, you know, happy and, and comfortable with their, you know, their playing time. So um, not easy all the time. Mm-hmm. So, Coach, last week we signed a trio of players, uh, a guard, Marta Lemain from Latvia, another guard, Hannah, and I don't want to butcher her last Ron name. Ron, Ron Sick. Yeah. Boom, I was going to get it. Uh, from Becky Hammond's home state of uh, South it. Dakota. And then uh, forward Jaden Fife from Texas. Can you tell Ram Nation a bit about this incoming class? Yeah, you know, starting with Marta. I mean, Marta right now, as we speak, is over in Israel playing with the, the Latvian national team. I mean, their top team. And so um, she's, a, she's a very skilled six-foot um, guard forward, just a good basketball player. You know, she's really good in the ball screen, which is kind of, you know, really important these days. You know, ball screen offense, being able to play in space is really where our game is at. Uh, so she's she's somebody we're really excited about and is, has played against really good uh, old international competition, like pros. Um, and we watched her play a game the other night, and she's playing against a, a young lady that was you know, all big 10, like six years ago. And uh, so that excites us. Um, we've had good success with the, the international player. Um, Hannah Ronsick, I mean, she's a, she's a 5'11 strong guard that shoots it really well, has got a really good feel for the game, can play multiple positions uh, on the floor. Uh, very, very competitive. Um, She's just a, a grinder, grit your teeth, I'm going to guard you, I'm going to try to score on you type of, of kid with a really good basketball IQ. And, uh, you know, her sister's a really good player at, at, at Creighton, so a basketball family. Um, and then um, Jaden Fife from, from Texas, she's just a, a six-foot, versatile basketball player. You can see the theme here. She shoots the three. She's got a beautiful turnaround, shoots a legit pull-up. 
really runs the floor, makes good decisions when the ball is in her hands. You know, so what what you're kind of seeing is we love that, you know, 5'10 to 6'3 young lady that can just play basketball. You know, the the days of, you know, one, two, three, four, and five, those positions, those are over, you guys. Those are long gone. You know, it's it's about versatility and not just offensively, but you know, the can can you guard multiple positions on the floor? And I feel all these kids can can do that. So uh, they fit nicely with how we play, with how we like to defend. So uh, I think this is a really good class so far. We got a couple more to go. Love hearing that. Love hearing that. Um, so we jumped out to a three-no start. Uh, our backcourt duo of McKenna and Upe have really come out strong, averaging a combined 22 points and eight assists. How important has it been for these two to find that chemistry to work together with and off the ball? And I know you alluded to it earlier, but how has Upe adjusted to your system since, since transferring from Butler? Yeah. Well, I, I think the chemistry, again, it, it grows uh, a little stronger each game, you know, um, and each game I, I think poses different challenges. And um, I, I think the, those two, specifically that you asked about, I think they're doing a tremendous job. And, uh, you know, I think McKenna needs kids like Upe and Sydney or in a Kinzer, you know, those kids around her to, to be successful. And because McKenna's kind of the, you know, people want to cut this, you know, they want to cut the snake's head off. Right. And, and they, they know our strength or our heartbeat is, is McKenna. So she's, She's seeing a lot of heat, a lot of pressure, a lot of physicality. So it's been good that those other kids have, have been productive and continue to grow their production around McKenna. Um, and so uh, Upe specifically, you know, she's, she's 28 years old, for goodness sakes. I mean, so she, there's a maturity there. So um, she understands, again, what, what's important when it comes to winning and losing basketball games and where she has to grow and, and evolve. Um, and so, but yet we have to do the same with her. You know, it's not about her just, you know, she has to fit us. That's, that's what coaching is. I mean, that's the art of it. You know, now we've got to do some things that fit her, her strengths. And, you know, I, I think you're slowly starting to see a, a, a you know, a, a pretty solid, you know, pretty solid marriage be between what she can do and, and what we want her to do. Um, and, you know, she freed up last game and uh, really the last two games, she played with a, a little more freedom and but yet a little more discipline defensively. So, um, yeah, still a lot of growth for, for everybody, but we're, we're excited. We're excited about our fives. Joel, I mean, it, it's, um, you know, Carly Murphy is somebody that, you know, two double doubles in a row uh, playing the, you know, she's fifth on our minute chart. I mean, she's doing all this, our leading scorer and leader rebounder, and she is fifth on our minutes. And so you talk about efficiency, you know, so between Carly and Callie, um, you know, and, and Clara, Clara's a really good young freshman from Spain who just hasn't been in the mix yet. Uh, we feel really, you know, comfortable with that spot. That's going to be a very productive position for us as the season goes on. Well, Friday night we faced in-state and, and no co-rival Northern Colorado. Going in at half, we were down 10. What was that halftime talk? I know it's had to have been powerful. 
coming from you. Um, and what adjustments did you make to turn that around and give give us a pretty comfortable eleven point win? Yeah, I, it was no, it was there was no magic in in the talk. I mean, if, if anything, I thought we played a little nervous. I, I thought we played a little cautious against their zone. Um, you know, the first quarter defensively, we we probably were on our heels a little bit. Um, obviously, we gave up what was it, twenty one points, I think, in that first quarter. Yeah. Uh, that's you know that's a big quarter uh, for for the opponent, and then they scored twenty nine combined points the rest of the game. So it was just more about uh, you know a few defensive adjustments, but but our kids just came out with a ton of grit. Um, you know we we put. Kendall Kinzer at the top in our zone offense. I thought that really changed some things. We could see some things a little better the, uh, against it, attacked it much better. But the biggest thing was just an attitude adjustment. And the kids can make that on their own. You know, my, my days of the, the, the big time halftime speeches, I mean, it's a long season, man. If, if, if I got to do that every night, I won't be around very long. But uh, that's, that's what I really liked about the group is, is they just, they came out and, and really competed. Um, they, they took some responsibility for their assignments. Um, you know, most of those possessions that Northern Colorado had in the second half were just, or most of their shot attempts were late shot clock. I think they had three shot clock violations in the second half. Our kids really guarded. So I think we just showed a different level of toughness and we learned that we're going to need a different level of toughness. And, you know, that's, this group is figuring out how to do that together. You know, it's one thing to do it as an individual, but for everybody to do it collectively, that's what makes you a really good defensive team. And I thought our kids did a tremendous job of that in the second half, but uh, you know, no, no, no crazy speeches, just a few minor adjustments is all. I know you didn't want to hear that. You probably wanted my Bobby Knight Purdue speech, right? Yeah. I mean, a chair flying across the yeah. the, the gym floor, uh, yeah. kicking doors, kind of yeah. like what Joel does whenever we go to the CSU football watch parties. <laughs> it's a uh, character flaw of mine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you already alluded to it, but how important is it to to have a game like that where you where you face some adversity early, and then you're able to turn around and get the win. Yeah, that it's, it, it's sure fun. It, a, a lot more fun to, to come into film session the next day and to have a lot of learning teaching moments after a victory uh, rather than a, a tough loss. But um, it just, I, I, I feel it's really important to have these close games and to be challenged because, you know, there's a lot of things in practice that you try to simulate you know, game situations, late game situations, tie score, side out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, out of timeouts, all that stuff. Um, but when you actually do it in a game, you know, when there's there's the real pressure of winning and losing, um, it was good to have that. And so really, I think our last two basketball games, we, we've had a lot of situations come up where, I mean, you can really learn from, whether it be late game, end of the quarter, that sort of stuff where our kids were a lot more, you know, I think we were more productive in those situations uh, against Oral Roberts than we were against Northern Colorado. So that's, that's some growth uh, right there. So tomorrow night you travel down to Denver to face the Pios. This will be your fourth game in nine days and then followed by a fifth game three days later. You know, talking to Coach Medved two weeks ago, 
He said he made their schedule so compact early to prepare his team for the Paradise Jam. Did you have similar thoughts for your squad as you have a bit of a break before you face number 10 Louisville at Moby and then travel to Tempe for the ASU Classic? Yeah, I mean, I'm not as smart as Coach Medved. I mean, he had a reason for his, all right? Ours just <laughs> fell, fell this way, to, to be honest with you. Um, you know, really, it just seems like uh, that's just the nature of a preseason schedule anymore. It's, it is going to be pretty darn compact. You know, just because you don't play games over finals week, you got to squeeze a lot of games in uh, before that. Um, and so – uh, it is a, this is a very, very tough stretch for our, our ladies. Um, you know, it's kind of the gauntlet right now. So um, this is it, it not just, um, yeah, the practice stuff, but it's, you know, preparing a scout and focusing on a new team just 48 hours later. That's new to a lot of these kids. Very, very new. So um, we're, we're anxious to see how we respond. You know, I, I thought the, the quick turnaround from Northern Colorado to, to Oral Roberts was, was really positive. This is a little shorter turnaround. And then boom, here comes Lipscomb on Sunday before we can maybe take a little, a little breath before Louisville runs in here. But um, these, this is, you know, this is what you want to do anyway, this time of year, we practice, you know, whatever 40, 30 practices within a 42 day period leading up to this. So the kids want to play. Coaches want to play. And this is where you really learn about your team. We know what they do in practice now. Now what do you do when the lights are on? Now what do you do when you're down four, you know, with three minutes to go? What do you do when you're down 10 at half? How do you respond? So you learn a lot about your team in, in these situations. Yeah, they're, they're squeezed in there, these games. But, um, heck, that's how these kids grew up you know, playing three, four games a day sometimes on these AU circuits. But um, as coaches, though, uh, you know, it's it's probably a little more stressful on our staff preparing scouts and, and breaking down film. But the art coaches have done a tremendous job as well. I, I feel our kids go into every game uh, quite prepared and, and know the scout well. And, um, you know, hats off to, to our, our amazing coaches. You mentioned Louisville. Um, that's a pretty – big game coming up here November 28th they were 26 and four last season they were in the ACC final NCAA elite eight um, how do you how did that game arise on your schedule how did you land that game and yeah I'm, I must have been drinking or something I don't know but uh, <laughs> no can I say that on your podcast I were, you, were you at Ryan's were you am at I Ryan's? gonna get in trouble Mike yeah. is actually drinking right as we speak okay so, it's so just... hey I'll tell you how you know I know Jeff Walls a little bit and, and they were, they were scrambling. They wanted, uh, they're playing out West in a tournament, I think in Cali and on their way back, they were looking for another game and they just kept striking out and he kept ringing, you know, you want to play? We, nah, we just doesn't fit, doesn't fit. And then uh, I don't know, the last time he called, we, we had a couple of teams drop us late. And so we were in need of a game and I said, we'll play you, but on these conditions, you know, one, we're not going to go back to Louisville, right? Two, I want four tickets to the Derby. And then three, I want a case of bourbon. And he comes back. He says, let me go to work. And so he calls back maybe a couple hours later. And he says, I can't get you tickets to the Derby. I can only get you on the infield. He says, that's okay. You know, the bourbon thing, I think, hey, winning Kentucky, right? I think he can handle that. 
Um, and then, yeah, no, no need to return. So it, you know, that's not a bad deal. And, and our kids want to play those games, right? You want to there. I think they were fifth in the country last week at a tough loss, uh, overtime loss to, to Arizona, but I mean, they're, their national championship talent level. All right. That's what's going to roll in here to Moby. And so I think our fans are going to want to see what, what that is and watch us compete against it. Um, we're really excited about it. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, um, you don't want a lot of those games on your schedule, but to, to, to have Louisville roll into Moby, I think is a really cool thing. Um, Jeff's a really classy guy. They've got a really obviously championship program. So, we're excited for the challenge and I don't like bourbon. So I'll, I'll send it to you guys. Yeah. Right. I love bourbon. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> if, if you listen to our first few podcasts, you would hear how much uh, we enjoyed bourbon. Okay. <laughs> what the slurring. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what should we expect tomorrow night? You know, I'm excited trying to get a lot of people there. Um, so what will we see from DU and what will, what will we be bringing to the table? Yeah, you know, DU's an interesting team. Um, you know, they, they've got some offensive weapons that, that, you know, if you're not paying attention and really competing, uh, they can really hurt you. They shoot the three ball really well. They've got great range. The Boyd kid can, can really score. I mean, that's a kid that could go get 40 if you're not awake. I mean, she is really gifted and skilled offensively. Um, they've got a dynamic post that's um, – and plays with great strength. So um, I think you're seeing they've got some newness as well at the point and then a wing spot. So I think they're still trying to fit things together, it, it looks like. But, um, boy, they've got our attention. They, they, can, they can score it in bunches. Uh, they competed against a really good Wichita State team. That was close going down to you know, midway through the fourth uh, the other night. But um, I think what you can see from us, you guys, is – you know, a, a team that's going to, you know, hopefully really limit their three ball. Uh, I think a team that's going to hopefully limit their fast break points, a team that's going to get out and run. But we have to do that by, by, first of all, defending well and getting, you know, rebounding has been something that we've really tried to emphasize here. We've progressed each game. But, uh, you know, to play to our strength, which is getting out and, and playing in the open floor, you got to be able to rebound the basketball. And so, I think that's going to be a big thing to tomorrow night. And, um, you know, and hopefully we're balancing the, the scorebook again. You know, I, I've liked that these last couple of games. We've had, you know, three, four different kids in double figures. You know, to be a really good team, I think you need to do that. So you can't just uh, have one or two kids, you know, be carrying that load. Uh, so hopefully you, you see that. Um, you know, hopefully you see a team that, that loves to play together. Uh, the game is fun. Um, so we're ready to get after it. Last uh, question for me, coach, what can you tell us about the strength of the mountain West? It seems like it's getting stronger each year here, uh, after a few down seasons, what teams should we watch for? I, you know, looking at the preseason poll, there were six different teams, including ours receiving first place votes in the coaches and media poll, which is, seems a little unusual to have that many. So it seems pretty balanced, but what can you tell us? Yeah, it, it is very balanced. Um, and I think really the last two or three years, I think the league top to bottom has, has been, you know, pretty darn solid, you know, where I think on any given night you could, you could take a loss if you're really not 
ready to go. Um, you know, obviously Fresno, the Cavender twins, they were picked at the top. New Mexico, who won the league last year, uh, has pretty much everybody back. I mean, they they to me have the best players, you guys, and they they can really score. It. They can really score the ball. Um, you know, Vegas was an up and coming team last year. They they added a few transfers. Uh, they I watched them play their Oral Roberts game. They looked uh, they looked pretty salty. So um, you know, Wyoming's going to be salty again. They've got a lot of returners off of that that NCAA tournament run uh, or Mountain West tournament run. So uh, it's just top to bottom. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the the league. I think the fans should be really excited about the league. I think there's some really good players uh, in the league that um, are worth your, you know, the, the price of admission. So, so get out and, and watch these ladies play. Uh, Cause I, I think you're going to see good basketball played in Moby uh, by, by everybody. Yeah. It'll be good to see some energy in the gym again and, uh, and some good basketball. So coach, uh, thank you so much for spending a good 40 minutes with us. Really love talking to you and catching up with you. And we're excited for the season. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for, thanks for backing the Rams telling our story. You bet Ryan. Thanks Ryan. All right, thanks Ivy. For, thanks for joining. You betcha. All right, that was Ryan Williams, another great reason to support CSU Athletics, such great people within our athletic department. What a fun conversation with him. It's getting that program going. It's going to be a fun season for women's basketball. Just a reminder to visit Ginger and Baker. They'll quickly become your favorite place to eat in all of Fort Collins. Drinks, food, atmosphere, they're all amazing. Try the cafe for some great dinners. Class it up with the cash restaurant upstairs, steaks, chops, unbelievable dinners. Teaching kitchen, first class. It's a fun date night. Check that out. And you can pick up some great presents for the holidays in the gift shop. I cannot recommend this place enough. Get your pie orders in ASAP. Thanksgiving is next week. Stop on into Ginger and Baker, my favorite restaurant in all four Collins. Thanks again to Ryan Williams for joining us. They've got a game against local rival DU Pioneers Thursday evening in Denver. Thanks to Mike Rowe, Steve Ivey, and thanks to all of you for listening. It's good to be a Ram. Have a great rest of your week.